welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Curly Sue. This is John, and thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. In Curly Sue, homeless man Bill Dancer, played by Jim Belushi, is traveling across the country with his young companion Curly Sue, played by Allison Porter. They occasionally scam people in order to get a free meal by faking car accidents. When they return to one of their marks to try to get more food, Bill ends up getting hit for real, and the Good Samaritan takes them back home. Screenplay by John Hughes, directed by John Hughes, and released on October 25th, 1991. You said you've seen Curly Sue before, right? Yes. This is my first viewing, which is weird. Yeah, I'm like confused why. (laughs) I'm just confused why you haven't seen certain movies. I know. This one seems like it would be. I mean, like I said, something your family would see. Yeah. Like, last week, I explained why Dutch probably wasn't on the docket, and it was mostly just because of Ed O'Neill. That's my theory. I don't, you know, no deep analysis or, you know, confirmation from my mom on that. But this one, I mean, it's, you know, a simple family comedy. Yeah. Never saw it. Not that I remember. Maybe we did, but I just blocked the whole thing out of my memory. Um, Sort of like Dutch, I do remember the commercials that featured a lot of the physical comedy in this because I remember uh, Belushi getting whacked in the side of the head with the the board mm-hmm. in like one of those early scenes and him flying because that's sort of like a John Hughes staple I think at least in this era someone yeah. getting hit and flying um like horizontally in the air and falling on their back, back. Yeah. <laughs> from a simple little like a little tiny smack and it happens multiple times in this um like the the punch sequence <laughs> the chain oh, reaction yeah. of punches yeah, with... and everybody's falling and jump falling and all this kind of stuff so um i probably would have liked it more as a kid than i did now this is our third John Hughes movie. Yeah, third and last? Third and last. Yeah, he wrote three, directed one. This is the last movie he ever directed. Boy, it felt derivative to me. Uh, yeah, I remember liking this as a kid. But then watching this now, I was like... Eh. It's almost like... If a clip show were its own movie, you know, like take the bit, you know, take some of the greatest hits of all kinds of different other John Hughes things. It's like if you've and seen. And then put them into new situations and repackage You know, it. like the commercials. It's like the commercials give away, gives away this entire movie. Yeah. And I thought there was more. <laughs> but there was. I was <laughs> there like, really that's it. A lot to this. I was no. like, this is it. 
And I was like, I don't hate this movie, but I was like, why was I really into this movie when I was younger? <laughs> I mean, maybe because it had Cause the, the little the girl, little girl was who's like, like great. crass and independent. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one of the appeals of VR Wachowski when we watch that is, you know, we have this teenager who doesn't take any shit and like it you know is willing to play along and, and do the work right and, and then even like thora birch and all i want for christmas right it's like these i don't even what is she like nine years old something like that yeah and it's like nine-year-olds playing adults but yeah <laughs> but not like too adult like thora yeah. birch her, her vocabulary vocabulary better than what i can speak right now is you know beyond her years yeah this she's just more street smart than what her years should be right because she can't even read in terms of book smart she's illiterate um curly sue is but yeah there's definitely something about that and also i mean keep in mind that curly sue is basically the age that we would have been when we watched this like, yeah, I mean, that's, so I mean, I was you like, would have had that more 10, 11 watching this, and I was like, yeah, I like this movie. It's a lot easier to identify somebody who looks like you at the time. Yeah. yeah. But now, yeah, you, you uh, <laughs> I think also just seeing Dutch and. Then this afterwards. Yeah, it, it's really obvious to see how he just recycles a lot of the same material. Right over and over again I don't know if he should have been the one to direct it um, I think he was going to direct Dutch but then decided to do this one instead um, this made a lot more money yeah I mean this I'm confused why I even read I didn't fully read i just like skim roger ebert's you know reviews mm -hmm. of these movies he gave dutch one and a half stars and then he gives curly sue three huh and he's saying curly sue is like very light-hearted family comedy for you know whatever and then his criticisms of dutch was just him saying like john hughes is using the same script over and over again and this is like planes trains and automobiles but with a kid that's pretty much but i okay. mean but this is why even this, this is, is also this is home alone mixed with dutch yeah i was like you know? why didn't you get the same <laughs> criticism <laughs> uh, with a little bit of Fer ferris bueller mixed in, in in a sense too. right yeah uh, a little bit of uncle buck you know like which i that wasn't later, was it? Was Uncle Buck later than this? No. I can't remember anymore. So... Uncle Buck's 80s. Okay, that's what I thought. It was like 88, 89. Um, that's why I was confused with Roger <laughs> Ebert's thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, and I think Dutch just has a better message while hitting a lot of the same type of points. And there's a little bit of the class stuff here. Right? Because you have mm -hmm. these homeless people who are doing everything they can to survive. And they're preying on the wealthy because, you know, distribution of wealth, I guess. 
but they don't take more than what they need. You know, they're not being greedy. They're not stealing wallets, even though Curly Sue wants to. Mm-hmm. Bill says, that's not what we do. We don't break those laws. We only break the dumb ones. So, and that's just basically just so we can get food and survive. Um, so it's a little bit more obvious. It's a little bit more heavy-handed here, the, the class stuff. But obviously you also have... Doris slash Gray. She's credited as Gray Ellison, but they refer to her as Doris a couple times, and I don't. I get. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a mill. Whatever. She has two different names that she's referred to: Gray and Doris, played by Kelly Lynch. She's the one that they, you know, scam in the beginning and, and pretend to have her hit uh, Bill with the car, and then she hits him for real on accident because she was also really stupid in that moment. Right, the way that she comes out of a gr- a parking garage, she's going like thirty miles an hour down these. She's zooming down the down to ramp and also like, like on her car phone. Yeah, <laughs> and doesn't see the person in the sidewalk legitimately. Um, so it's not that Bill jumped in front of the car or anything. He was actually just in the sidewalk in front of the exit to the parking yeah. garage. Yeah, and then. I was thinking about, I mean, at least with car garages in Chicago, downtown Chicago, they all have that sound. Now they do. I don't know if they did back (laughs) then, but yeah, now they do. But I'm like, was this the reason? But (laughs) but, because then even when you're exiting, you still have that bar thing that has to lift. Mm-hmm. And it makes that beep sound so, you know, the people crossing the street can be mindful. I know they didn't... Because yeah, when she was slamming her, she was going down the the path out of the garage. She was going like 30 miles an hour or more. Yeah. And it's like, wouldn't you want to slow down once you get out of the exit area to merge into actual traffic? And when you want to not be looking down at your car phone to press buttons while you're approaching the sidewalk. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely her own fault. Well, because then I was like, this woman's a bad driver. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're, like, criticizing whatever, like, yeah, a driver. But aside from that, she's she's the nice rich person. Everyone yeah, else she's in, got, in the high society that's surrounding her is the snobby, a heart of gold, snooty, gold or whatever. Yeah. jerk, including her controlling boyfriend, Walker, uh, who we've seen before. But, John Getz from yeah. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I recognize those it's teeth Gus, anywhere. Yeah. Um, was she supposed to be snooty at all? No. Gray? No. Um, I think she's just part of that world because of her high-powered divorce attorney status. Yeah, but I just... So she has the money and she has the boyfriend that is part of that world, and so she's part of that world, and she clearly is miserable about it. She doesn't want to be in that world. Yeah, like you see her in the opera or whatever after feeding them their meal. Yeah, and Um, she's just looking kind of bored. she's staring into space like, what the fuck is my life? Right, and... It would have been more interesting if she was, like, a snootier bitch, I guess. 
Maybe, but then she definitely wouldn't and have invited they, them in. And then Curly Sue, well, yeah, but then Bill Dancer and Curly Sue can, like, make her nice or something. I think I just would have liked to see a little bit more progression in the relationship between Bill and Yeah, Curly that my Sasha. biggest problem in this entire movie is that they got together at the end. I was like, no. I'm okay with it, but, like, it just sort of comes out of nowhere. Like, you, you know that Bill wants it, right? Because here's yeah, this, Yeah, because he like, thinks she's pretty. I yeah, mean, that like, here's, like, here's this beautiful woman who's, like, helping her out. Right. And he wants to go back for more because he's smitten. And so, but, like, why is she into him? Just because he's they taking spent, care of like, this little girl? Because they spent that one day together doing whatever they usually do. But that was... They only did that after she was, like, already falling for him. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't make sense for her to be It was like there's only two men in the whole world. It's her shitty boyfriend or this guy. And she's like, this guy's a nice guy. Yeah, like, why not, like, I don't know. Like, maybe they could have used her divorce attorney stuff to have some conversations about how she doesn't trust people or you know what I mean like yeah I get it but I just didn't like how they decided to be together yeah there just wasn't any good interactions with them until after after it was too late I don't know (laughs) They, they didn't rationalize the relationship before that big dinner night where like she cleans Bill up um he's in the big suit and everything yeah, and, and then, she was like, oh, you're handsome, or whatever. And then whatever. they go back to the restaurant where they got kicked out in the beginning. And for some reason, Walker is invited by her. And then there's a big, you know, Yeah, argument. I don't know why she invited him, just to be like, hey... To give him another chance, Look I what I've done to these, for these people. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, um, I don't know. But anyway, that goes south, of course, because Walker's just a total ass bag. And then... Yeah, he calls DCFS on Bill. Yeah, off, off screen later Sue. on. But um, everyone leaves the dinner. And then, yeah, Gray and, and Bill and Curly Sue just go out and do what Bill and Sue normally do. They crash a wedding to get free food. Um, they give fake speeches to pretending like they know the couple that... Um, they sneak into the movie theater and steal popcorn and, and pop from this guy. I mean, that, that, one, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a good scene. It goes on too long, but it's a good scene overall. Right. Um, yeah, because he gives like the popcorn bucket back to the guy and he's like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the guy didn't even know that it was yeah. his originally. Yeah, I mean, that was funny. Oblivious to it. So, I mean, and then they do some, I think they do some sort of hitchhiking where they... Yeah, they just, they hop onto the back of a garbage truck just to go places. Yeah. And so, you know, she gets seen his world. Yeah. It's like, look, we can make do. Like, this is not about money for us. Like, we're, you know. Um, But she was already smitten by that point. And and I don't know why. Like, nothing about their interactions really say anything about that. And, And even to the point where... She already knew that Bill was scamming her. They had an argument and they were going, you know, like pack up and leave and be like, okay, well, this con is over basically. Mm-hmm. And she convinces him to stay because she likes him so much, basically. 
Well, and, well, and likes Curly Sue probably more, but also yeah. definitely likes him. I'm like, why? Where, where is this coming from? And they don't have enough of those conversations. I think, well, I think she likes <laughs> him because she's fall, she's falling more in love with Curly Sue. And it's kind of like Jerry Maguire. I don't know if you remember that okay. storyline where Tom Cruise is more in love with, like... Jonathan with Nikki. Yeah. More than Renee Zellweger. Yes. That's... It could be. And he's only being with Renee Zellweger because of her son. Because her her son is, you know, this lovable kid. Yeah, and there seems to be an aspect of Grey that's a little bit more baby hungry, you know, like she wants to have a family. But she just but never... But they don't have much of that conversation either. You just kind of see it in her eyes and performance. It's like, oh man, I wish I had this family. I wish I had this little girl in my life too. Because I think so... she's never been... I th- Okay, she's just... She's a successful attorney. And right. even when, you know, Curly Sue and her, fir- when they first sleep the night at her place Curly Sue's asking her all these questions like who lives here because she lives in this giant apartment Mm -hmm. she's like oh it's just me and she's like well these clothes and blah 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 where are your kids she's like oh I never thought about that and she's like well I have to get married first yeah and she's and then even Curly Sue's like well no not really (laughs) (laughs) like you can have a kid whenever and then she's like, well, usually you got to get married and then you have a kid and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I think just that <laughs> conversation. She was like, yeah, I guess I always wanted to be a mom. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's like the little tiny bit that you get. Um, other than just having her stare in awe while they're eating food at the whatever diner that they get taken to downtown after getting quote-unquote hit for the first time by the car the other part of it that really didn't work for me is the the music and the sound effects yeah uh the sound effects weren't as bad as it was in dutch no but they came at weird times it was kind of like house party 2 in that they showed up every once in a while and it's like why why do you think for... this adds to the comedy yeah for extra comedy yeah, like, i don't know to appease to the children i don't know yeah like curly sue is you know pounding on her chest after eating a piece of pizza and like a drum noise accompanies it before she burps right yeah, something like that or i guess to take off some of the sting because at one point walker is involved in a car incident with gray as well where he's confronting her yeah and gets on top of the car and she basically like maneuvers and drives to throw him off into like a cement pillar and you hear a boing right it's like that kind of shit it's like come on <laughs> that was cheesy back in 1991 it was cheesy in 1951 <laughs> so it's yeah i don't know why they do stuff like that i mean i think it's just for the child who the children yeah, that it's are to watching make it a kids movie like as yeah. if kids don't understand that this is garbage or, well, I mean, it's not meant to be cartoony, but they just make cartoony sounds for the kids. I don't 
I yeah, I, I think there's probably no. a big part of the mentality <laughs> like behind it, but yeah, as a it's kid, just like, as a one-time kid, I can tell as you, a one-time kid. <laughs> that did not fly with me back then either. I mean, it didn't, I'm trying to, I don't know, as a kid, I don't, re... I don't know, I wasn't paying attention to that. It's, yeah, it's subconscious. But it's like, now I hear it, and I'm like, why? Mm -hmm. But But, I still hate the Dutch music more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Silvestri's score in Dutch is worse than this one, which is by Georges de la Rue. Oscar winner, Georges de la Rue. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name fully properly, because he is French. Um, He won an Oscar for A Little Romance. He was also nominated a few more times for Anne of the Thousand Days, Day of the Dolphin, Julia and Agnes of God. Uh, he also was going to do the score for the 1991 movies Josephine Baker Story and Black Robe. And he also did an unused score for Regarding Henry, which mm-hmm. um, Mike Nichols decided not to use. I mean, he was probably going to do Boyle. Boy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was when, all Hughes. I think that was all John Hughes' uh, decision. Uh, to okay, doing Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to use that in recording Henry. No. <laughs> Maybe, you know. Get like a weird little slide whistle while he goes to the revolving door. I think the performances are good, though. Yeah. At least we got, again... I mean, this is where Hughes really shines more so than, I don't know, some of the writing at times in this movie, (laughs) is that he's able to get good, competent child acting. Yes. Uh, So we have Alison Porter as the lead, and she is extremely captivating, uh, just like Ethan Embry was, um, just like Macaulay Culkin was the year before. You know, all of these child actors he's able to just bring to us uh, have done amazing jobs and Alison Porter is no exception here I, I think she is able to do just about everything you want she does the fake emotions for the scam moments and she does the real emotions for when it's supposed to be you know oh real. yeah she does a good job yeah just, and that's tough she for knows someone when who's she's like 10 years old or less like when she, when she first is talking to gray while bill is like sleeping or pretending to be unconscious pretending or, to be yeah sick or dying or whatever or hurt and she's um doing this fake crying and then when gray leaves you know she gets louder she's like ah, like mm-hmm. making it sound as if she's having a mental breakdown because her father is dying yeah and then the second time he gets hit but it feels a she, lot more visceral and real right and then she like quickly goes back to like being normal like eating pizza or something yeah um and then jim belushi as well i think is is good in this i i honestly don't really subscribe to the jim belushi hate that a lot of people seem to. I don't know, they, they see him as, like, a joke. Why? Oh, because he's, like, writing the coattails of his brother or something? I think so. I think that's really what it is. But, I mean, he had his own comedic stuff going on at the same time. Sure, he wasn't on SNL 
then because he was the younger brother but i mean mm. he eventually got on snl and actually had an emmy nomination for writing one of those seasons that he was on but he was in second city in in the 70s while while his brother was on snl and he did other stuff as well he was doing chicago stage productions and doing his thing i mean i think it's just because he's not like as much of a bad boy you know like he doesn't have the the mystique and the drugs and the crazy partiness that yeah that john did um, and so like, he's doing more family-friendly stuff. He's had, because he lived, <laughs> had the ability to take his career into all kinds of different directions. Whereas John Belushi may have done the exact same thing, but he has that live hard, die young. Yeah, the wild mystique. side party animal yeah. while he was just low-key. Right. So, uh, okay. Yeah, I, you can make fun of them for doing K9 and K911 or stuff like that. Right, or just, I don't know, making fun of that he has he had his own show. Yeah, which I've like never a, even watched. So no, I, I never know. saw it either. According to Jim, lasted almost two hundred episodes. So yeah, super I mean, popular. but yeah, I mean, he never did anything like avant garde or super risky, but not everyone has to. I think he just had a good, solid career, and I think, you know, he, he was good and charismatic in this role. Right, I, I feel like this is the only... I know he's been in other movies that I've watched. Mm-hmm. He's been, uh, maybe, like, Mr. Destiny? But I'm trying to think of, of other... Yeah, I know, I'm trying to think of other movies where I was like, okay, he's great. I don't know, yeah, you he's know? Never, he's never... Yeah, I'm sure uh, he's just that. like just there, but he's not bad. He's just there. Yeah, he's he's a he's a good serviceable leading. I think the man last for certain comedies. I'm trying to think of like, I can't. I don't know who to compare him to. You know, like a Tom Arnold probably these days. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, but like back then, you know, it'd be like a Tom Hanks was doing a lot of those comedies, like The Burbs and Joe versus the Volcano. Then you had Billy Crystal doing some of those things like Mr. Saturday Night. And then you have Mr. Destiny for Jim Belushi. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's that type of stuff. Um, he is also in two more 1991 movies, Only the Lonely and Diary of a Hitman. And he was also in 1991's MC Hammer music video for Too Legit to Quit. So. Oh, does he do, do the, the, the 2L to quit he, motion he might i forget you might want to look up what his credit he has like a credited role as like an accountant or something like oh that. okay like he's part of like the skit part oh, oh all right i thought but it was like near the end that. where people are doing that you yeah, know like the two l the 300 two... celebrities in a row doing the <laughs> yeah the dance signal thing yeah did you have, he was did just you have one people of going around your school doing that to each other yeah, yeah. well there was people going around trying to do the vanilla ice like the V with that was always hard to do (laughs) cause you had to put down your pinky finger and your pointer finger and then make the V okay and that's that was I remember kids trying to do that and it was so hard (laughs) that I don't remember as much but the two legit quiz yeah I remember the two legit (laughs) happening in the hallways of, of elementary school 
Okay, well, I will say that this movie, this movie made me, um, I think when I was younger, it made me love the city of Chicago and it glamorizes mm. the city so much because when I was this, when I was like 9, 10, 11, my dream was to live in a house slash apartment, like, just like Kelly Lynch's. Sure. <laughs> like, when I was young, I was like, I want her house it's it's a big apartment and um just seeing them just in it's most most of the locations are like downtown and just seeing like um like i kind of just miss like all the old dinery type places that are just not around anymore yeah like the one near the Clark and Lake Station. Yeah, that's Ronnie's, got Ronnie's. Ronnie's is gone. Which it when I when they were eating at that Rocky Fellers yeah, place, that's I basically was exactly like Ronnie's. Yeah, and and there was a Rocky Fellers House of Beef, but oh, okay. I mean that. So they must have just closed a really long time ago. But the the movie theater they sneak into is the Music Box, which is an iconic theater in Chicago that is still operational. Yes, and, and it really does make you want to just go back there. Um. Yeah, I mean, the city isn't as much of a character as it is in some of the other Hughes' movies. Um, obviously, it's it's a set piece because that is always something in, in a John Hughes' movie. Chicago is, you know, a central location for or the central destination. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, something like V.R. Wachowski, I think, also made the city a character a bit more than this movie. But I'm, I'm with you. It, it's weird, again recurring themes in john hughes movies just the random blatant physical violence that just comes out of nowhere and is completely unpunished is kind of weird to see now right so i mean i kind of understand it when walter comes into gray's house uh gray's door is locked because she's protecting herself against bill who's in the other room and they don't know each other and you know whatever um and so gray come uh i'm sorry walt walker keeps on calling him walter Walker is an unusual first name. I mean, Gray is also. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the name choices for these two people, though. Gray and Walker. But, Doris. Doris. <laughs> right? Yeah, whatever. Um, um, but yeah, he, he comes in, he gets into bed with. Yeah, that was which very. Which he thinks is empty, but Curly Sue is there, and she screams and punches him in the face. That sets off a chain reaction of punches. He runs out into the hallway, and so does Bill. Bill screams, and Walker punches Bill in the face, and then Gray comes out and she screams, and she also punches Walker in the face, and everybody's down on the ground. Um, it's supposed to be comedic. It, it's not that funny. It's kind of like no. Expected. It was like. It was making me uncomfortable because showing Walker getting ready to go, like, put on pajamas and getting ready to bed and going in this bed with a little girl, I was like, I'm scared. Yeah, but, but I he mean, didn't know that there was she, Yeah, I know he didn't know she was in there, but, but wouldn't she, like, wouldn't Gray, I, this confused me, like, okay, wouldn't Gray be like, oh, Walker's coming home maybe later tonight. Shouldn't I let him know? Like, leave a note or something 
call him on because there is even a point in the movie where everyone has cell phones now mm-hmm. call him can you leave a voicemail where voicemail sings there's back probably then? like an answering service if nothing but, else back then right but, yeah yeah you're right because i mean she says to be like yo by the way <laughs> those people that i hit like the day before are staying in our my place the only other thing I can but, think of is, like, maybe she didn't know that he was coming because they, they did have an argument. Right, you know, and that's technically her so, place. It's not yeah. their place. So maybe he had a key and she just didn't know that she that he was going to come, come over, over that night. But it's just that scene just made me more uncomfortable than uh-huh. anything. And then i also just thought it was uncomfortable because you're allowing strength i know that you hit the guy with your car but why not i know this would not even be a movie at all but why not call 911 or something to take him to uh an er instead of doing a house call a doctor house call and the doctor kisses her on the cheek when he leaves, too, which is also weird. And I'm like, is that doctor, like, who yeah, is like, that is, to is him? Just everyone or trying, her? Is everyone just trying to get with Gray, and that's what's going on there? Or, is, like, that's off-putting. But I, I think the reason they, exp- or what they try to explain away with that whole thing is they don't take him to Cause she doesn't want to because she doesn't want to ruin her reputation and standing within the community and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because meanwhile, she's in this high-profile divorce case. Yeah, she's working with the wife of a politician um, who wants to divorce, and she has a lot of dirt on this politician, and so, again, she doesn't want to get things muddied up for that. So try to keep her own nose clean. Right. To protect this case that we hear way too much about, and it doesn't really matter at all. Yeah. I mean, it's used as leverage slash blackmail at one point to try to get the whole DCFS stuff resolved. Um, but other than that, it's it's a lot of wasted mileage. Yeah, the, the, the chain of events with the punching was kind of weird, but I think what was more awkward to watch was when they returned back to the restaurant where Bill and Sue are kicked out of at the beginning... And then the major D, you know, is like, oh, you kind of look familiar. And he's like, remember me? I talked about how everyone needs to be seated, you know, um, evenly and you can't discriminate against homeless people, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Mm -hmm. And then just Bill just starts punching him over and over again. Right. Well, then nothing fucking happens. They just go in and eat. Just, Just takes it. It was just, yeah, that was weird. But then it was also weird because that mater d guy um pinches like curly sue's cheeks yeah and he's like may i and she's like may you what and he's like oh we'll kiss your cheek like who does that no to a stranger take your coat yeah i was like (laughs) yeah but i would also ask may i what and then i would also say whatever she said like i don't even know i forget what it's something clever right and like then in a he's pig's just eye like, or yeah, like in that. a pig's eye or something, and um, he was like taken aback by that, and I would be like, like yeah, yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I found, I don't know if you looked up what that guy did, 
the actor? Uh, no. I know it's Cameron Thor, but I didn't write his credits down. I was going to talk. Okay, I'm going to do a brief five-minute trigger warning true crime tiny segment now. Oh, okay. Is that he was that after Cameron Thor was sentenced to six years in prison for sexually assaulting a 13-year-old girl. This oh, is geez. in 2016. I did not see that at all. I IMDb. saw that and I was like, should I even talk about it? And that was my talk and that's the end of the trigger warning. Okay. <laughs> Other unmotivated violence, I guess. The first scene with them when Steve Carell in his movie debut yeah, I... Uh, non-speaking debut is yeah, the guy... Tessio. Tessio. He gets a name, but not a word. Um, goes and gets the chef from the back, and the chef runs out like a maniac and chases them out and throws them against I, a truck. See, I thought as if they were, like, frequent, like... Right, but they're Bill clearly and... not because they're drifters from state to state. Yeah, but it made it seem as if... Curly yeah. Sue and Bill have done this like a million times already, and, and, and that he, they had history with the chef specifically. Yeah, but no, no, and I was like, what was his role? <laughs> and why is the chef doing this? Yeah, <laughs> why not have, I guess the maitre d slash who would be head of house or whatever, or front of house, doing the kicking out of people, not the chef. Yeah, it, it was a very strange situation. That chef, by the way, was we've seen him before. He was one of the big biker guys in Harley Davidson in the Marlboro Man, the guy who gets yeah. smashed with the uh, eight ball like, or something oh, like that. Okay, yeah. um, so <laughs> he's in a bunch of stuff. Branscombe, Richmond. Uh, it's just such a weird sequence of stuff. But again, like same situations, just same. I might like it was weird in Dutch too. You know, when people just got randomly punched and it was okay, no one said anything. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. 90s were weird in some ways. I, I mean, was that supposed to be funny back yeah. then? You don't think it, you don't think those were set up as jokes? There's like a musical pe- sting when the chef came out and everything. It was like, I'm just like It was like meant wondering... to be funny in the same way the ice cream man was meant to be funny in Highway to Hell. Yeah, I'm wondering... I kind of just want to go back in time and, like, as... I don't know. I mean, I was a kid. I wasn't paying attention to this. But I want to know if, like, my mom or dad would be like, ha, 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 that's funny. Yeah, it's it's weird. You know what, like... Adults, like, 30 years ago, were they just, like, easily amused? Or were they also thinking what we're thinking now? Like, is this supposed to be funny? Or I'm watching this because, like, my daughter likes this movie or something. Yeah, it makes me... All these Hughes movies make me question how much some of his older stuff holds up. You know, it makes me second-guess things a little bit. Like, Home Alone. I haven't seen Home Alone in a long time. The only But it has a lot of that weird pratfall cartoony violence. And I think it's because it really leans into cartoon violence, like a Tom and Jerry thing, that it probably works better. This just seems out of place because it's mostly realistic with a couple flashes of cartoon. Right. The only movie of his that I know by heart and I watch frequently is Pretty in Pink. And that's just because it's one of my favorite movies. But that's not... But he didn't direct it. No. But 
that movie isn't really doesn't have any comedy really uh, I mean long, like the ducky long no duck long, that's 16 candles, oh, that's 16 candles pretty in pink is like yeah. you got ducky ducky I think it's supposed like, to be comedic but I mean honestly watching that like ducky's a stalker and that part's disturbing to me um like he literally stalks Molly Ringwald's character um but and that's supposed to be endearing so you know what I mean like that's so you're like you want to go back I know even just the long duck dong character in itself is wrong in 16 yeah. candles I mean okay Ferris Bueller I think we watched that a couple of years back as one yeah. of like our Netflix pandemic watch parties and that was fine yes it did have some of the I mean, but it made sense when Jennifer Grey punched the principal because yes. he was literally intruding into their house. Um, the intrusions, whatever. Anyway, we're kind of getting off of a tangent, but I think the main thing is, like, all of these movies have some weirdness to them that probably were not seen as weird in 1991, but now come across as... So it's that kind of thing. Like, it's not intentionally malicious or weird. It's just... Looking back on it, it just seems, like, antiquated. Right. I mean, they wouldn't... Like, these movies wouldn't fly not today. Not without some A lot to some of, these of these movies situations. he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't have him punching the Mater D over and over again for no reason and have nothing come of it. Right. He didn't even... Like, the Mater D just took it. And, and then... Like, Haha, okay, you're right this way, sir. And didn't even... That was the end of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, long story short, this is this is a. It was an interesting movie with good characters, but not great situations for those characters. I think that's probably the best way I can describe it. There's stereotypes galore, good actors, but underwhelming when all is said and done. And then you got the semi-bloopers in the credits with the Ringo Starr song, which is not very good. I don't like that song. Right. I don't think Ringo should be a singer. um, I mean, I do, when the song was playing, I was like, oh, this sounds like Ringo Starr, and it was. Because he has a very distinct voice. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, sure. He, <laughs> he, he does, like, sing talking. Yep. Because I'm thinking of, like, Octopus's Garden, and that's, like, sing talking. Yeah, he's not a trained singer. Singer. I mean, he's a drummer, and right. that's it. The story... So, we find out that Curly Sue isn't exactly the daughter of Bill. It's, like... They kind of just, like, gloss over this thing where he's like, oh, yeah, I met her mom, and she just, what, left? She just, she's oh, she died. She's buried in Florida. Oh, she's buried in Florida. So, yeah, at one point. Because there's a point, like, okay, so at the very beginning of the movie, it's, like, showing Curly Sue as a baby growing up until to, like, what she is now. Yeah, they don't really show... Okay. But it's her... And then she gets this ring, and it's her mom's ring given to her 
by her mom. Yeah. There, I mean, there are a couple of, like, sweet moments. There are a couple of good, sweet callback yes. pieces of conversation in there. But the, the opening montage... Um, it, it's no up, but it's trying to be something like up, I think, right? So it's where it's, like, this big montage of going rifling through this big bag of trinkets and old baby toys and children's toys and you know dirty hands are rifling through it and everything and then you have it cut in between with sepia footage of belushi with this baby and a toddler hitchhiking and stuff like that. but at one point they're in a house like they're in a room with a cradle and a crib and all this that's kind of why stuff. i was but like, like they don't explain them... what happened to make them homeless ever yeah and then that's why I was like, did the mom leave them? But if he says that she died, so so she died and then he was like, okay, I'm homeless now? I don't know. And they came all the way from Florida to Chicago? Like, why not just stay in Florida? They have to leave when the con no longer works. And also... Unless like, people are coming after him because he's technically not her father. Well, that's that's the fear, right? Like, that's right. why she's not in school. That's why she they don't stay in one spot for too long is because they rely on each other. They love each other. Yeah. But they are not legal guardian. They're yeah, not he's not father, her daughter. Yeah. And so if, if they were to try to do anything like that or get the attention and stay too long, then something like what Walker did... Yeah, she would be them, taken away. And DCFS comes in and gets taken away. So, you know, the, their ultimate destination was not Chicago. Yeah, they're just, they just going, lingered they're too just long going because he was wherever, wanting whenever. more from this girl. Um, great. So, but like, yeah, they have the conversation story. with Gray to say, yeah, oh well, yeah, she's buried in Florida. Do you want to know the rest of the story? And me, I'm saying yes. Yeah. But, but we don't get to hear it. Gray says nothing and they just drop the I just yeah I want to know what made like why is he homeless it's like give us context Let was us it in. like was he laid off or what right. but then there's like a point in the movie where he's standing in line and he does get a job and he's like it doesn't pay well but I have a job and then Gray's mm -hmm. like oh I'm happy for you mm -hmm. and Curly Sue's pissed because she thinks that's the start of him leaving her yeah, because she thinks that he's going to give her to Grey. Yeah, and also, again, the whole concept of if we stay in one spot too long, we're not going to be together. Yeah. So her And she wants to live this thing. lifestyle with him because that's all she knows. Mm -hmm. And But she ends up with staying with him anyways because Grey and Bill are together <laughs> and they adopt her legally the end <laughs> she goes to school and then she goes to school for the very first time and freeze frame on her smiling before entering the school right whatever anticlimactic honestly um yeah, let's get into Crest and Crew. We've already talked about John Hughes a couple times, so let's skip over him. We talked about Jim Belushi throughout the course of this. Uh, Kelly Lynch is Gray Ellison slash Doris. Spirit nominated for Drugstore Cowboy. And also The Beans of Egypt, Maine. She's also been in things such as Bright Lights, Big City, Cocktail, Roadhouse, Virtuosity, and uh, 15 episodes of 90210. 
Allison Porter as Curly Sue. She's been in not a whole lot of movies, honestly. She did a little bit of voice work, but she was also, uh, as a kid, she was in Parenthood and Stella. Uh, when she got a little bit older, she was on MTV's Undressed for a short time. And when she was a really little kid, before she started acting in movies, she was a five-time champ on Star Search for her singing abilities, which was showcased in this movie a little bit. And I think you're going to talk about more soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Getz is Walker McCormick. Like I said, we've seen him as Gus in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He's been in things like Blood Simple, The Fly 2, Men at Work, and Social Network. Fred Thompson is in there as well. Uh, we've seen him in Cape Fear and Necessary Roughness, but he is basically Gray's boss. So um, we haven't really talked about him a whole lot, but you know he's a longtime character actor. Uh, in a previous life, he was a lawyer during the Watergate trial. Um, and he also became a senator who filled in Al Gore's vacancy back in 1994 and he filled the senator role until 2003 and he's one of the few people uh, well actually probably the only person who had an active acting role while he was still a working senator because he started the law and order in 2002 um, Two more people to quickly mention. Ralph Foodie played a drifter who stole that ring from Curly Sue yeah. and pawned it off. He has been in Home Alone 1 and 2. He is the uh, the guy in the fake movie, uh, Keep the Change, You Filthy Animal. So he's in this. Edie McClurg has a brief little cameo as a secretary. Uh, she is one of the original groundlings in L.A. She was a writer for the Pee Wee Herman show back in 1981. That was like, you know, the stage production that had an MTV special before he had uh, the kids stuff. She's also been in a whole bunch of stuff like Eating Raul, Cheech and Chong's The Corsican Brothers. Of course, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think, is her biggest role. Back to school that same year. I think same day it was released. Uh, Drexel's Class, which we've talked about a few times, and she also does a lot of voice acting work, such as on the Addams Family cartoon, Problem Child cartoon. She played the mom in Life with Louie. She was in Bobby's World and Rocket Power. A very long storied career um, for her. And then lastly, we'll talk about Steve Carell as Tessio because this is his debut feature. Um, Oscar nominated for Fox Catcher. Emmy nominated for The Office, but never won. He was also nominated for The Morning Show. He has one Golden Globe win for The Office, and he was also nominated for The Big Short and Battle of the Sexes at the Golden Globes. Kids' Choice Golden Blimp nominee for Despicable Me 1 and 2. MTV Movie Award nominations for Foxcatcher for Best On-Screen Transformation. Best Fight and Best What T, you know, WTF Moment for Anchorman 2. Uh, nominated for things like Get Smart, 40-Year-Old Virgin, where he won the Best Comedic Performance at the MTV Movie Awards. Also a writer for The Dana Carvey Show and uh, was a daily show i'm sorry yeah daily show correspondent from 1995 1999 to 2005 which is where i learned of him first because he was great on the daily show but yeah he is here as a non-speaking role and that's about all we have for cast and crew that we haven't talked about before in terms of awards pretty much the only thing we have is uh, allison porter winning the young artist award for best starring actress in a feature film so we'll move on to uh true crime and pop culture okay so this movie was released on october 25th 1991 which was a friday and a couple well one thing that we've talked about 
I can't remember what episode, but we we talked about Bill Graham in an episode. Because he's in um, he he's in uh, Bugsy. Oh, okay. Well, that was so. That was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> Any anyway. Like number four or something. Yeah. Like that, but October twenty fifth, nineteen ninety. One is when Bill Graham died, and that was in a helicopter crash. So he died on this day at the age of 60. But yeah, they, I know he's done like a lot of, you know, rock concert promoter, and that's how I knew about the Bill Graham Theater that's in San Francisco. Yeah, he did some acting. He was in Bugsy, and he also had a little short, small role in The Doors as well, which we have not watched. And then moving, just one thing for TV that I noticed on CBS, there was a Disney World 20th anniversary special. It was a one hour special and I found it Hmm. on YouTube and it includes commercials. It's, I just skimmed through it, but it looked interesting (laughs) and it's just like it was just i I don't even know who it was hosted by it was some guy i don't know if he even worked for disney world or what but it's just there was little skits in between and they had performances by garth brooks they had angela lansbury she was singing beauty and the beast and i started crying Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i was like she's I'm like, she's not here anymore. Yeah, she just recently passed. And I was like... And then I was just like, oh my god, I'm getting sad. And then they showed Robin Williams, and I'm like, I'm sad again. (laughs) Because they... Like, doing little skits with comedians. You had, like, Robin Williams, and then there was, like, a thing with Carol Burnett. Mm -hmm. There was a thing with Whoopi Goldberg dressed up in her sister act outfit. Okay. Like, to promote Sister Act, I yeah, guess. Yeah, And then there was a whole thing with the dinosaurs, the the baby dinosaur and dinosaurs. There was a thing with Dolly Parton. There was a thing with Goldie Hawn. It's just a lot. Wow. And in between this were, you know, performances. And it was, you know, Garth Brooks, Angela Lansbury. And then there was another performance by Amy Grant. But then they just showed... In between all that, it was just like a big parade throughout Disney World celebrating 20 years. And some of the commercials that I saw, there were a lot of promos for TV shows that were coming up. And one of them was for the Palace Guard, which I remember talking about before. And then I think even the show Brooklyn Bridge and like northern exposure (laughs) so i was like oh these commercials are good but i have the youtube video of that great and then i'm just gonna talk about allison porter because we have another i didn't know this even was a thing (laughs) (laughs) but we have another person that was on the voice yeah these things come in waves for some reason like our first four movies had mtv best kiss nominees right like, uh, pure coincidence and... Well, yeah and then i was like i i mean like what we said last week i didn't know that 
I don't know the rules for the voice, so I guess... Yeah. Must not be purely amateur. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just maybe just I'm, nobody who has an active recording deal or something. Yeah, I guess so because I know I mean I was obsessed with American Idol when it was on, and then the, these were like actual like they were just they're like I don't want to say kids, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a lot of teens or people in their early twenties trying to get a singing career, mm-hmm. and then those people. At least, like, the first few, like, ten years, those people are still famous now. You've got, like, you know, Kelly Clarkson or Jennifer Hudson, and you have, like, Adam Lambert, who's with Queen. It's just, like, I've never heard of any of these people from The Voice doing anything. But I I don't pay attention to it, so I don't know. Yeah, that's true, because, I mean, they don't, for whatever reason, the winners of The Voice is not as big of a deal... Is like American Idol was. Yeah, like I've no, I don't, I could not tell you the name of a single The Voice winner because I don't. Me think neither. It's like promoted except that for same Alice, day. except for Alison Porter because she did want win no, this year. Win. Okay. But um. And same thing with like America's Got Talent. Like I don't know who won any of those years. I think wait that JoJo Siwa or something like that. She might have won, but she was like on Dance Moms or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, she was on that. that dance, too, so. Yeah, she was on that. Oh, like yeah. Anyway. Whatever. <laughs> so, but. The winner of The Voice gets $100,000 and then a record deal with Universal. Okay. And she did, I mean, Allison Porter won for this year. She, this was season 10 of The Voice. She did, her blind audition was the song Blue Bayou by Rory Orbison. And all four of the coaches turned around she picked Christina Aguilera as her coach and I guess this season was also the first season where a female coach won hmm. with a female contestant hmm. I I guess when I looked it up Blake Shelton is the one that always wins hmm. But, yeah, Allison Porter won that year. That was in 2016. And then I just looked up what she's been to, been up to since then. But, I, I mean, now I follow her on Instagram. I found her Instagram. She does a lot. Of, she does vocal coaching now. But I don't see, like, she, she has a lot of songs that were released but it's like the songs that she sang on The Voice. Oh, just the covers. Yeah, the covers that she's done. And I don't see... And she ha- she has like a few albums. But they just... She had a couple albums even before auditioning on The Voice. Okay. One was in 2009. That was like her debut. And then her second album was in 2014. And then she has a third one that was 2019, but it just, she has like, I don't know, a small music career, I guess. And she does vocal coaching from what I've seen on her Instagram. And she's like an influencer now. She does like this mommy blog thing because she's a mom of three now. She Mm. does this stuff for um, like her kids and stuff like that. But... Very similar to E.G. Daily in a way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, she, I mean, she, she did sing in the movie and she's a good singer when she was a child, so. Yeah, I mean, five time <laughs> champ on Star Search. Yeah, Star Search. I miss Star Search. I would, I, that was fun to watch back in the day. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. Yeah. Okay. So where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Curly Sue? I'm going to give this a two. Okay. Because <laughs> I thought I was going to give this a three, but I after watching Dutch, I was like, I like Dutch more. Dutch is better. Dutch is better. And I'm like, justice for Dutch. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, of the three, like, even, like, between, like, career opportunities and Dutch and Curly Sue, I still think Dutch is the best of the three. Yeah. And it did the worst. It and, did the worst, yeah. Which is, like, mind-boggling to me. But I guess it, people were just mad that it's it was another planes, trains, and automobiles. I guess, I mean, Ebert was. Um, yeah, maybe people just saw it as derivative. Again, it had sort of like a weird release window for a holiday movie. Right. Uh, and then this has the cute little girl who's like a little stinker, so it's kind of like the Home right. Alone uh, appeal, too. Yeah, so. they're like, oh, we love her, and that's about it. So anyway, on my zero to four star scale, I'm going to give it a one and a half. I think it's just way too derivative. Virtually everything we've seen in this movie, we've seen in other John Hughes movies. So, uh, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, only, the, the one thing that really I liked about this movie was just seeing Chicago in, like, the 80s and 90s. Okay. But I think if, if I wanted that, we got, like, Adventures of Babysitting. Yeah. You know? You got other movies that can do some of that. You got Ferris Bueller, if you want a better Hughes movie that talks about Chicago and shows right. Chicago. Right. I think, also, so, I really wanted... Truly, I wanted to live in that apartment that Gray lived in. That was... I don't know. When I was younger, I even told my mom, I want to live in the Gold Coast. My mom's like, okay, good luck. Like, to, like, 11-year-old. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never too late to dream. Um, I don't think I'm going to watch this again. I think there's way too many huge the, movies that I'd rather watch again first. One part so, in the movie that I found extremely funny is mainly because when i was her age was when she was when they did the whole montage of her putting on like dresses and oh, yeah, shit like fancy girl clothes yeah yeah and she's like rolling around saying what are these like looking at her tights she's like are these pants or what yeah. And she's rolling around like itching and squirming i i was like i was literally like that as a child <laughs> i don't know and I still found that hilarious. Yeah, there's some good scenes. There's some good moments. I don't like the shopping montage that goes on before that, where it's just like Gray and her assistant, um, like buying out just all buying of Marshall Fields. These random store clerks like doing a model show for them. Like that was stupid. But anyway. If you out there want to watch Curly Sue, as of this recording in November 2022, it's available on, as a digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991moviewrewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and YouTube. 
just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to watch My Girl. It's available as a digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you then. Thanks. Sort of pause there.